Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Le Boogie podcast. Uh, this is a quick preamble to the podcast which features Mitch Rawlins today. Um, he needs absolutely no introduction but what I do want to let you know about is that for this very special episode with Mitch, uh, we often in previous podcasts we have like a code that we put out, Le Boogie, you can go and purchase something and get a discount but this time we're going to do something a little different. So this time the deal is this. If you go to Found Boards and you place an order for a board and use the code LEBOOGIE, L-E-B-O-O-G-I-E, you, dear listener, will be entitled to a free surf session with the man himself. Now, this surf session is going to take place um, on the Gold Coast and it'll have no set time or date, but all you've got to do is just let us know when you're going to be on the Gold Coast You've used the code, you're entitled to the session, and you can go and spend an hour in the surf with Mitch himself, pick his brains, talk to him about life, ask him how he does those cutbacks. Um, you know, that's the deal. So any purchase made on Found Board's website uh, with the code LeBoogie will entitle you to this session with Mitch. Now, that's a little different way to do this, and I hope, uh, well, I think that's pretty awesome to get a chance to pick someone's brain like that. So... That's the deal. Use the code LeBoogie on the Foundboard's website and you can get in the surf with the man himself. That's enough for now. Let's get on with the show. Sure you want to go somewhere else? No, we're good here. We're recording. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, and thank you for uh, stopping by for banana bread and coffee, Mitch Rawlins. Good to be here, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> we were arguing about where to sit, and I won. I wanted to sit in the car park when Mitchell was being, being very kind and dropping me off to the airport in Brisbane, hanging out for a little while up here together. Surfing, hanging out. Where to start when you got Mitch Rawlins sitting in front of you for the podcast? We, I sent out questions into the Boogie Instagram and there was a sh- like an absolute barrage of questions for you, so... Alright, let's go through them. Yeah, I might go through one. I might start there instead. Because we've been hanging out a little bit too much and talking too much that it's kind of weird to even think that it's like asking questions, so... The listener, please bear with me just one moment and let's have a look at what some of the questions uh, were because there's some really interesting ones that came up. Well, here's a really good one. I think it's one of the questions that most people want to know about you. Like, in terms of your style and your approach to bodyboarding, like how... How have you managed to do it over the years? Like what, because I remember when you were younger, there was like a period and, you know, Dave Hubbard calls it the Sabre days, you know, like you were on the Manta, you were a bit more kind of radical, you were kind of flipping out, doing big that big air forward and things like that on the North Shore. But then there was this shift and you kind of went with Mike and you seemed to really start focusing, like everything changed, it seemed. So what, what happened back then? Like, can you, can you tell the story about how all that came to pass? Yeah, it was just... It was just influences, you know, you're, 
I was heavily influenced by uh, Joel Taylor. Okay. Um, we grew up competing together. He was a little bit older than me, but we um, grew up competing together, and he was super radical and yeah. in his approach, and and also it was around the time Jeff Hubbard was coming into, you know, he was getting in magazines and, and, and videos, and he was, you know, focused on airs, and mm. it just seemed like a a cool way to ride waves. So yeah. that was, you know. A big focus just to you know do as many airs as possible and yeah so that's where the, you know that influence come from and then uh, after after traveling to Hawaii um, Mike Stewart was interested in, in, in sponsoring me and that kind of just set about a whole new approach to riding waves and I was always influenced by the way surfers rode rode waves so and that was mainly due to that with bodyboarding we only had a few different outlets to you know get our fix or you know inspiration we had like magazine like maybe I think Australian bodyboarder was on its way out but American bodyboard Boarding was still around, Riptide was still around, and we, yeah, so I was always buying those magazines, always buying the new videos that were coming out, but it just wasn't enough to feed my appetite mm. for, you know, surf stoke, mm. so I'd always read the surfing magazines as well, uh-huh. and, and being on the Gold Coast, and, you know, being around such good surfers as well, influenced that as, you know, a lot well with my style but like it has to be said that like the the approach you had like when you were more radical and it makes total sense when like when you say names like Joel Taylor from from that period and then Hub kind of bursting on the scene like it makes sense that that would have been the influence because I think that was everybody's influence or everybody was kind of on the same page back then but it was working for you like it actually was your big uh kind of explosion into the mainstream of bodyboarding and your big you know initial success was being that radical aerial surfer so was it was it hard for you to to make that shift like was it was there any reluctance from you to really change course with the mic influence and these some of these other influences i don't think it was hard it was just um it was it just opened up a whole new area of how to ride waves and always knew that eventually once I got that to a level the the aerial kind of surfing aspect would Mm. always remain Mm. so there was always going to be there was always the upside Mm. to to practicing those you know base moves or you know and then also pushing those base moves to you know become more know more performance orientated as well yeah you know you look at all the I just think it's having the overall packages there's more of an upside than just having one aspect Hmm. I just remember thinking you were crazy at the time like because you were you were winning comps and Australian titles and all this kind of stuff but then there was a period it seemed like the comp 
thing, you, you just start to approach waves differently, so you weren't being as radical for like, you know, was there a period where you didn't really even do airs and stuff? Like, and you just really stopped yourself from doing some of those old things? No, it was never, it was never that extreme. I no? think it was. It looked more that extreme from the outside to me. Yeah, well, I, I think once you really, like, go about any type of change, it, um, there's, you know, it, it change just takes time. Like, it doesn't mm. happen overnight, so, yeah, it, yeah, it did, it did definitely feel that it was a lot harder to um, progress in heat. Mm. Um, so, it, yeah, it, going down that way um, consciously is a lot harder than doing it naturally, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but after a certain period of time, it becomes natural again. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely a, yeah, it's definitely more difficult. But if you want to be, you know, like a, a, a well-rounded surfer, I think it's 100% necessary. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I see riders now that are on the tour that, although progressing through heats quite easily, they, through certain parts of waves or different waves, they're just so stuck. Mm. And they, they have no... You know, they just don't know what's going on in those. You know, it just seems like race, 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 hit the section. Mm. You know, but there's a lot of wave to be ridden in between those. Mm. If, if if they want to, they don't have to do it all the time. But no. you, if you have the you know ability to do it and pull it out whenever you want, it's mm. really, really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. So like, I just have I have as much fun surfing a one to two foot point break as I do as a four to six foot wedge. Yeah. And, yeah. and then that, and that's, you know, so it's, it's a, I think overall it's a, you know, it's a more wholesome way to approach surfing. Well, I mean, look, the proof's in the, in the, in the, in the, in the pudding, you know, like people regard you as the, one of the greatest of all time. Um, and that's because of the way you ride waves. Like that's, that's it. Like how, how does it feel actually to get that kind of, um, label thrown on you does do you accept it or do you feel weird about it or do you, are you going to be like humble and decline it like how does it actually feel in your head to get that thrown at you yeah i don't i don't mind it i think there's i always still feel there's just a lot of improving to do mm -hmm. so it's not like oh, i've made it and i'm going to stop and just relax it just motivates me even more mm. because I think there's just there's always room to keep improving with your with your wave riding and always places in the wave that you you know can push tighter um, have more control or you know look more relaxed um, and it's constantly you constantly got to be on top of it too you can't just think it's always going to be there. Mm. You know, you've got to keep practicing, practicing, mm. and and that's. I think that's why. You know, the a lot of the you know really well-rounded riders they have such longevity because they're 
you know, there is so much to learn and keep learning. You know, yeah. Whereas if you're doing one aspect of surfing, mm. you're only able to, you know, just you're just focusing on that and it can become stale, it can become yeah. boring and, you know, you can become unmotivated. Mm. I know exactly what you mean. <clears throat> I know exactly what you mean. It's, um, I think many people listening to this would wonder where exactly does Mitch Rawlins think he can improve exactly? Like what, when you say there's always improvements to be made, like, I mean, what, what are you, what are you thinking when you say that on your own approach to wave riding? If you can be really specific. I think it would be being able to surf lefts and rights equally. Oh, completely equal ability on both directions. That'd be nice. It is interesting this conversation because I don't think we people talk about this at all. Like, I think I think that would, that'd be really nice. I don't like. There's just certain ways your body moves going right, and certain ways. Your body yeah, yeah, yeah. Left. Totally, totally. It's and, so weird. And I think getting that as close as possible would be really fun. Yeah. Not not in the sense that you become methodical and boring and everything looks the same. Just that. The fact that you can show up at a left and do the same moves. They don't necessarily have to look the same. Yeah. But I think having the confidence and feeling saying that you can do the same thing yeah. going left and right is a really, that's really motivating. Yeah. No, it totally is. And like, I mean, I, I'm sure I speak with most I'm sure, I doubt there's anyone listening to this who thinks that they do things equally well going both directions. Like, I, I don't think there's maybe even anyone out there. But like, how, how far off is that goal for you? Like, I mean, like, how much work do you think is in it for you? I think there's, yeah, a lot. There's yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. If you really want to... Like, okay, let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Because, like, what manoeuvres going left are you really kind of feel weird going right like what, uh, what are they I don't have a, it's not a weird feeling it's just I think you I think it would be it's just a a feeling it's more of a yeah. feeling than you know getting them to look the same you know if you're it's I think it's more about having the confidence to to do similar moves going left and similar moves going right yeah, yeah, yeah. and having the confidence. They don't necessarily have to look the same, but it's... But you can nail them. It's just... Because I, I think it, what is better is if, you know, you can... You, obviously, if you do, like, a... You know, a, a reverse going right and it has a certain feel and flow. Yeah. And if you can get that same feel and flow going left yeah even though it might not look the same because there's certain certain ways you, you do moves going left and certain ways yeah ways you do moves going right you know so it's just a getting that feeling to where you're enjoying going both ways yeah yeah comfortably yeah when um, in this um, journey of refining your style, what's the, because I've spent a fair bit of time with you more recently, and you know, one of the things I notice about you when you do your work, because you know, you're a businessman, you're full, you know, you're full time doing these things now, um, as much as working on your bodyboarding, um, your really attention to detail is kind of like 
seriously in depth. Like you, you really focus on details. Like you know, when you're designing products, I've seen you, you know, fuss over very minute details in a leash, or you know, when you're looking at your board design, I've seen you know you're very detailed. Um, when you were working on your own style, like what's the was there ever a moment when you were doing that where you were kind of like, wow, I'm being really detailed here? Like, what's the most detailed thing you ever did to refine something? Do you, can you share a story? In surfing? Yeah, like in your surfing, like... Uh, I think... It was... Well, I, I love... I, I really like repetition, so... Yeah. I think there's something in repetition that is just so natural yeah you know doing something over and over and over again like, yeah i just i just love doing things over and over and over again so <laughs> it's it, it become fun yeah um and then then what happens when you do things over and over again you you, you learn these tiny little things each time and yeah where you can push it where you can't push it and it just becomes like and you notice those changes you know more closely as you repeat things more yeah. and more so it, it just becomes really fun after you know if you just do one thing once and then you, you know you might come back to it you know a few weeks later or yeah. a year later you know you're not really just you know accelerating that learning so being a yeah just having fun in repetition is like is so what's an example what's a practical example of that then like you know like you're surfing at um d-bar and you're back when you were really developing that initial shift in your style. Like, was there a surf where you only did a certain move no, for like never, hours? I, or? I never just focused. I, I know some people have done that mm. where they just focus on one move, but it, it, I think it's, and I think you see that a lot with people just doing backflips over and over again. Yeah. Getting that right. Yeah. So, you know, with it, whereas, you know, I didn't really like going down that way because you're, You, you, it can become forced yeah. or a bit contrived. So it was, it was more that if you know those sections come up, whereas it, you know, where I wanted to do that particular move, it would I, I would really focus in on that. Yeah. Um, but then as you keep progressing and progressing, you can make do those moves that you're practicing in steeper parts of the wave, different parts of the wave. Yeah. And, and see if you can get the, you know, more, you know, radical, yeah. you know, um, results. So that's that's where it becomes fun. But it's not easy yeah. at the start, like sure. repeating things over and over again. And when you, when you, you know, if you're super hard on yourself, it's not always fun. Do you find that, like, you're now, what, 36? 36. Uh, when you started adjusting your style and really focusing in on after the Sabre days, to use Dave Hubbard's you know way of calling it, yeah. um, was it? Um, are you better at refining today, or or back then were you more motivated? You know, did change happen quicker back then, or is it nah, now, the same? Now it happens way way faster because I'm just more more confident in okay in you know bigger surf. Yep, it doesn't doesn't concern me as mm. much so I don't have that pressure of feeling like I have to surf the biggest waves all the time yeah um, and 
you know, and I, and I look forward to surfing those days when they, when they come around. The big days? I wouldn't say, that, I don't know what big is completely these days, but, mm. you know, days where, yeah, it's just now's a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I have an actual limit that, like, once I get there, it's like I can't go... Mm. I can't surf in these conditions anymore. I don't, I don't feel like I have that. Yeah, okay. Those um, limitations that I used to when I was younger. Right. So if a, if a day comes around that's really big, you know, I'm ready to go. Whereas before it'd be like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I'm ready to go. And it's yeah. a bit more free-flowing than it, yeah. it was before. So that that's always nice. Yeah, yeah. Competitively, like, I mean, was it... Because obviously you mentioned as you were talking about this style transition and, and development, like that you know there was it was harder to win heats. Like, was there ever a time where you were just like, damn, I just want to win? It, like, because you could win easily the old way. Was there any uh, moments where you're just like, ah, oh, I just need to just stop worrying about this and win? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was always hard to win events. It's always hard. It's always hard but you know, like you were pretty like dynamic. You know what I mean? Because there was a period where your results went down. Yeah. I think, like I do think the history books might show that the results went, dipped down a bit for a period while you were re yeah. refining but then they did start to come back up. Like of course yeah. you did start to get results again but I just mean, I guess I'm trying to get at like younger people are usually pretty impatient with success yeah they want you know like all the millennials get accused of wanting things immediately and not having the patience to put in the time yeah. you're clearly not like that um but oh, was I there ever to happen like that <laughs> it'd be nice like no one really likes to wait no one does so but there was never a moment where you're like throw it like you didn't contemplate throwing away this no, journey I think it was just you know, I, I think having a focus on, you know, style and different aspects of riding waves just without that aerial aspect. Yeah, because that's, that's what vanished for a little bit. Yeah, I think that it's just so underappreciated, undervalued, and it's so ingrained in judges or however they, you know, you know, judge. Let's bitch about that for a second, I think. Because, like, do you think that the judging really isn't getting what bodyboarding should, like, can do? No, like, they're, they're just rewarding one aspect of it, that, and that's it. And yeah. They, they just don't get it. <laughs> they just don't get it. it, it and it's, it's frustrating because they... It's... You know, on one side, what the guys that are winning, they're doing something right. They are, well, They're of not course. doing it wrong. Yeah. So it's just that it's, I just kind of feel that, you know, if somebody's doing, you know, you know, the, you know, the whole package right mm. and like you, I, I just don't think you can do Go do a, go along do a backflip and then the next wave do the same goddamn thing again. Yeah. And get the same score. Yeah, I, me I too. think that I think that is just such a flawed way of looking at 
surfing like there's got to be variety yeah it has to be you know it can't it, it and the thing is it's judged on single rides so you know they're they're just basing it off you know a single they forget the first wave that was ridden and yeah. it's on to the second so i think overall heat you know because you know waves are relatively short um there's only a small amount of time to do get done what yeah you need, yeah what you need to get done in the heat aspect anyway but the if there was a broader view of like a heat and heat management and yeah know, having a so the performance is the whole, not the individual pieces. Yeah, there's just yeah. like otherwise you would. It should just be scored on individual rides, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, I get know, what you're saying. Like, it's like a painter being judged by individual yeah. brushstrokes and not the final work of art. If you look at yeah. a heat as a as yeah. a as a piece of art, and which you know. Like in, in that, in saying that, maybe it should just be judged on one wave, you know, because, and then the heat starts again, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have. Um, I think, it, yeah, con contest is a weird one for me now. Like I, I love love being around in and around contests, and I'd love yeah. to do a lot better. 100% love to do a lot better, <laughs> but it, it's it's so difficult to just do what they want you to do all the time. I don't. Yeah, that I agree. doesn't really sit well with me all the time. No. Um, and it, but sometimes it, it's a good good challenge. I just it, it's hard being in a position when there's guys doing the same thing over and over again, and they're really good at it, and that, that that's great for them. But it's it's yeah. not also, it's not great for me. No, but I just—it's not great for a lot of other people too. No, so. no, no, and I'm one of them who I share a lot of the same th things you're saying there. I want to quickly give a shout out to Rafanasio on Instagram for that question about the style. I mean, I think he's bloody set the tone really well for the whole, whole podcast. So thanks a lot, Rafanasio, for throwing that question out on this judging question because I know, like, yeah, like I've been pretty critical of a few things like since coming back onto the tour, and and I, d I do think that there's a real underappreciation of like powerful pocket surfing um the likes of which you have done and i find i think it's because of my age and my time out of the sport is that like i'm not i haven't come back in for, well i have tried to fly off a few sections but it has hurt me a lot like so it's actually not how i want to ride either like i'm enjoying trying to do like nice turns and you know i see that i that is my approach these days but I think it might be because I don't want to hurt myself as much but yep. maybe I need to get through that um, but you know there's other riders like Alex Shiranga is one guy I would like to mention in this case because he's really like when he's in competition like he's really drawing out some beautiful lines as well in smaller waves and bigger waves like he's thinking around those those ways but like I understand what you mean like that it does seem yeah and it's not it's not a criticism of other riders who are winning because they are doing really great stuff like it's very clear that they're doing amazing things and you know and guys are diverse as well in many ways but there really is no reward for staying on the face of the wave or kind of really um yeah definitely staying connected to the source and yeah. I remember I mean do you remember that time we were in Portugal I think we we're in century years ago and Kingy was in a final, and I think it was with Manuel Centeno, and like it was at Sintra, and Kingy was just doing the classic Kingy kind of pocket surfing, like really 
it was beautiful stuff. It was only like two foot. But um, Manuel Centeno was just launching these massive flips, you know, over and over again, and the crowd was going wild, and Kingy didn't win. And it was one of those moments where I think what you're talking about, like, there was a clear different... The judges clearly didn't want to give it to Kingy in that moment. Like, yeah. But how do we get... How do we? Do you have any ideas on how we change it? Like, what needs to happen? I don't think it, it will change because I'll always favour, you know, what looks a little more spectacular than. Yeah, you know, is that it? So then? the the writing that goes un, underappreciated is is because the judges aren't, can't see exactly or feel what's going on. Yeah, they're just seeing an air move they're saying you know he's got you know he's doing something radical but you know the the, just all the little intricacies with you know different you know surfing like guys like Spencer Skipper yeah which is like some timeless stuff there that never gets dated never gets old yeah they just don't see it or feel it for what it is yeah and and I think it comes back to not scoring a whole heat you know, as a, you know, as a, you know, like putting it together a whole, a complete heat instead of just two waves. Yeah. So that's what it comes down to now is to getting judged on two waves. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I just, I, I don't think it'll ever, ever, ever be that way unless, you know, we move to different types of waves, like on point point breaks or where the style has to change where it, yeah. it has to change because most of our waves are in slabby you know it is true it's short, a, it, yeah exactly waves so it's it's you know and the, and maybe maybe I'm wrong you know, no, I don't think you are. I mean, one I of the things be. I've said though, like I've I've definitely brought up like one of the ideas I had on it was like in every heat, I came up with this kind of system in my mind. I think I shared it with a couple of guys where. You can have like you get scored on your best wave of doing a big an aerial maneuver. Yeah. So you get like if you do one wave and you get an aerial maneuver, that's like you get one full score. Yeah. But the second wave that you do an aerial maneuver on, you get a discount, like you, you get a deduction on that score. But then a wave that you only stick to the face and carve and and you know don't blow out into the air, you get a full score on that. So like it'd be the equivalent of someone like. You know, because one of the moves that you've really kind of, I guess one of your signatures these days is those long carving reverses back into the source. Yeah. Like I don't, like we, a lot of us try to do that, but you have a very, you know, nobody comes close to you doing that. Um, it'd be the equivalent of having a wave and like carving that around and that's yeah. kind of like your score and then the next one you're busting an invert off. So you could get yeah. two solid scores. And then, you know, even a third wave could be scored, which is a mixture of both, where yeah. you're allowed to just express yourself as you want to express yourself completely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think about it a lot because I do think there's there's definitely something being lost, um, definitely undervalued. And I think for the majority of people listening who are bodyboarding and enjoying it, the reality, I think, is that their experience is on the face of the wave. Like a lot yep. of people who are bodyboarding and, and aren't competing in these slabs and stuff, they're not launching these maneuvers out into the flats and breaking their ribs. Yeah. They're actually on the face. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it just, I, I don't think it, I just can't see it changing anytime soon unless we change the, the, the waves we surf and then we'll see like a bit of a shift. Yeah. But in saying that, you know, like what the guys are doing, you know, is really is really good as you know they're riding really well so mm. that's uh, yeah I just can't see it changing I, I, I just don't think it ever will and it's a shame but I think they need to really start to consider that some moves are so standard now that yeah, yeah, yeah. the score has to has to drop yeah I agree you know, like it can't be eights and nines for, for backflips like it, yeah. it, it, it's just you know it's and a backflip is it, yeah I don't know it just seems so um, it seems easier than a roll I agree 100% agree the most 100% agree and the most that are being done in competition are incomplete backflips as well like mm. they're all you gotta do is twist your board over and let your body flow with it mm. follow it whereas you know with a you know even with a roll you, your whole body has to go around yeah know? sometimes yeah it, it, it's it's just a different fo- it's a composition is just a whole different you know there's no there's, there's there is a right way of doing it to win contests now 100% there's a formula there, there's a there is a formula and it can be and you know, and guys that are winning the world titles these days are following that to a T. Yeah, and, and that's just, what happens, right? Yeah, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if most scoring rides on the way to winning a world title would be 90% backflips. Yeah. Which is crazy because all you'd need to do is do backflips the whole time. And yeah. Just discard everything else because mm. that, that's what's happened. Mm. That that's that's the shame of it, and that's the. And it must be boring for the judges. Surely it's boring for them too. Uh, like, oh, here we go again. Another backflip, another backflip. ARS here, ARS there. Like, do we need to like, do we need to do something to Epo to make him make up for this? Like, I hope he's listening. What are we gonna do? I mean, I find it weird because I agree, but I also like that when this move was done, like invented. I mean, it was revolutionary, and it really made a huge difference. Like, it's so interesting, right? Like back when Epo did it. And like, well, like, whoa, that's an, that's something you can do. And then it's like, um, of course it was awesome. Like, and of course it still is awesome. I, I guess we should maybe, I mean, at least I know that I'm saying it's well, still a great he, maneuver. He, it's just overdone. Like, it's still an yeah, amazing thing. He created thing. a super functional maneuver that yeah. can be done from the smallest conditions. Yeah, it's interesting, to, huh? You know, to you know, solve the conditions. Whereas, you know, a lot of the other moves, like your, your basic inverts and reverse airs and air forwards, that it creates a lot, it takes a lot more effort and to have, you need a, you know, bigger opportunity to be able to do those 100%. moves. hundred percent, so yeah. He's, it, he's just created a move where, you know, at the time was, you know, creative. Um, and it allowed everyone to, you know, do it from one foot to yeah solid that's conditions. true that's true so, so that's why you like if someone does pull out you know you know one of those more traditional moves but they're, they're actually the opportunity to do those moves moves is a lot 
rarer than what it is to do a backflip or an ARS. So yeah. you got to reward that more. Yeah, I agree. Coming back to something you mentioned in the in this kind of what we're, this discussion around the judging and whatnot, and you mentioning that the waves once we start surfing competitions in different waves, then things might change in terms of how we approach waves and competition. Um, you and I have been discussing a bit about like this idea of the quiver of boards that people um, should start to think about with bodyboarding. Like it's this discussion that we've had, and you know that plays into it like I tried out the fiberglass I don't even know how what do you want to call that board the one that you made with the epoxy like I mean how do you what do you call it uh, it's just it's just a bodyboard just shaped <laughs> with different materials but the thing we were discussing was that, like that board is like it's 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 developing but it's like amazing for a point break it's yeah, fast think, yeah I think there's a uh, a lot of room improvement with, with bodyboard still mm. I think using different materials is gonna you know affect the way people approach waves mm. so you know obviously because that board's a lot harder you're not going to focus on you know the air moves not saying you can't do them if they're done right you they're can just, but they just hurt your elbows yeah <laughs> you know so it, it'll Yeah, it, it's just another way of, of surfing, mm. you know, and bringing that, bringing that out a lot more. You know, there's some guys that, you know, are riding those inflatable blow-up bodyboards and they're mm. absolutely flying. And I just, I don't know how that all works yet, but I'm, I'm yeah. keen to try it. Yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. Because I've heard the, the less it's inflated, the faster you go. That's so, interesting. That wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, well, the, the faster you go, the, the, it, it inflates it you know, blows up. Okay. You know, so it it get, moves faster. So That's crazy. Um, but so, like, with this idea, like, I mean, because you, you know, we've been surfing the last few days, yeah. and, like, I know this about you, like, and last year in uh, Kayama for the competition, you know, like, the waves were really small, and literally myself, you, and Jake, well, Jake Stone and I were borrowing your, you know, 43-inch thicker board so that we could actually compete better. Yeah. Like, so, do, like, has bodyboarding, like, surfers have a quiver. Like, yeah. surfers have a number of different boards which they ride in different conditions and sizes yeah. and feelings that they want to have. Like, have is there space for this in bodyboarding? Yeah, there has to be. There, yeah. You know, guys have to have at least two to three boards that they can ride throughout the week or whenever they're surfing because... For me, when it's you know one to two to three foot, I'll ride up to a 43, 43 and a half inch board. Yeah, and you're not whereas, a tall dude, like and, you're. Yeah. And you're real little. <laughs> about three centimeters shorter than you. Yeah, so just one, maybe even one centimeter. Yeah, really. So. <laughs> but you're you're saying you're riding like a 43 and a half board in these smaller waves. Yeah, because it just makes me feel taller. <laughs> <laughs> but then when and but then like this this um no I, I, that kind of come about was you know I noticed and everyone for a while there was riding 42 inch boards where yeah. they were six foot two six foot three <laughs> six foot four six five six six yeah. and so on 42 yeah. inch board and I was just it was just wild to me yeah you know and you know so I just in my range I think 
you know, I brought out a 44-inch board or 45-inch board and they just sold. Yeah. So it was, and, you know, I, through having um, found, like, I would, when I'm talking to the customers, I'd always try to put them on, them onto bigger boards and after, you know, the feedback from that was just like, man, you know, we're, I'm enjoying myself so much more. I can yeah. paddle easier, yeah. catch waves easier. You know, it just feels better. Whereas before they were just so unsure, but you know, I see these bigger guys surfing on 42 inch boards and they're sinking. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you never want that feeling. The only time you want to drop down board sizes is when the waves are big enough to, you know, lift you up and, yeah. and, um, and give you the, the speed you need. Otherwise, yeah. you get to ride a board that's going to be able to give you more speed than the wave can offer. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, that's the same with surfing. They ride fishes, you know, thicker, more volume boards. Um, so what can, so on this question then, you know, because, you know, I wanted to segue into your, your working life as well. Like, is, is it the plan of found to kind of like build out a quiver that people can buy into and kind of like and maybe educate the market because I don't think the conversation's happening like I know that I yeah, understand I, it and you understand it I just it, with found now one of my motivating things is getting people on the right boards yeah you know, I don't want to I don't I want to produce really you know good boards but also getting them on the, the correct board you know and having a having a Equipment just it just makes your your surfing life more enjoyable. So yeah, you know, it involves getting two to three boards. You know, yeah, but it, it's going to bring so much more benefit to your your, your riding, and you're going to have more fun. And it, it's as simple as that. Like this. But clarify these three boards. Like for you in your quiver, like what do you well, have I, I and how even, do you use them? I don't even them? think that you need alternate shapes or you know what you need is sizes yeah it just comes in sizes so like for me if it's one to three foot and foolish kind of waves yeah you know i'm going to go up a few inches yeah if it's you know really rippable surf then i can ride my normal board yeah if it's absolutely tiny you know i'm going to ride the biggest thickest board i can possibly yeah ride you know within reason you yeah know? so for my height, I think that's about 43 and a half. Yeah. But for someone that's 6'6", six, six, you, you're going to need to ride like a... Gee, that's a massive board. At least board. A, mm. a 45, 46 inch board. It's a know? massive board, yeah. But they're going to ride it like I will ride a 43. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a massive board for us, but for them it's just it's riding yeah. you know, a normal board. So, you know, any, any shape is fine yeah as long as you're going going up in size i think that's going to help but then obviously there's different you know um shapes that work better for different types of waves as well yeah but i think the most important thing is just size having a quiver of different size boards yeah and that brings on more enjoyment like i mean i know what it's like when like when i was in that kiama comp and i was trying to practice on my smaller board which is a 42 I just, like, it was hard. It was like a pain in the ass to try and even do a spin because it was, like, one foot. Yeah. But then, you know, luckily you had that boat, you know, the 43 and a half yeah. one, and it was, like, amazing. Like, Stoney and I were, like, moving around a lot more. Like, we could definitely do a lot more. So it's, like, super interesting in that respect. Um, I got a chance to test out the this fiberglass or epoxy board or whatever it is you made. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I want to sit on that for a second because that's a bit of a, that's a real kind of leap in bodyboarding. Like we haven't, I think, you know, there's been some fiberglass boards or some different construction done in the past, but it was never this close to a template of what we actually ride today. Like, yeah. so what, describe what your kind of motivation was on the, that design. Because some people have seen it online, like they've got a glimpse of it. They haven't really yeah. seen you riding it yet, I don't think. But um, I think what was the motivation and what's the point of that? The motivation was just to go faster. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of slice through the waves a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, just to, just to keep um, experimenting with you mm. know, different ways to surf. So, and also a lot of it, you know having the freedom with uh, you know the the foam that they use whether it's you know um, EPS or PU polyurethane yeah you can you can get so much more detailed with that foam okay because it's cutting, a finer foam yeah with the cutting techniques and that you know the way they use their, their CNC machines yeah you know you can you can put it fine-tuned details a lot more precise than you can with foam and you know the like beaded polypropylene or polypropylene yeah. and you know the materials surlin that we use like you might put a concave or whatever in into you know a polypropylene board and it, it's so subtle yeah you know and and not only that the board can flex out and bow and crease whereas a, a fiberglass board i mean you could effectively you know drop a piece of water on it and it would follow wherever the channels are and yeah. pull or stop or, you know, give you... You can just add camber to the board camber. a lot better. Okay. So it's it's just more precise. And, and surfers have known this for years, you know. You know, there's only a certain amount of, like, concave that they can put into a board before the board actually won't perform so they've got they've fine-tuned all these things you yeah know, they've, they've put in the the time you know they can't you know have a mesh bottom because you know they will it like the board will either you know go too fast yeah you know, so or just cavitate and like yeah, yeah, lift yeah. out of the water so <laughs> they've got you know they've fine-tuned it a lot more than than what we have only because they they can with the with the foam yeah and you know having a glass finish they can get all the the details a lot more precise than than what we can so that was the whole theory and, and plus with fiberglass you can do good spray jobs <laughs> and you went for like matte black bluish black on this one yeah it was supposed to be matte but it, with the the way the resin was it yeah it turned blue i like it i like the color i think it's like this nice yeah, pretty yeah. nice colour. I mean, is the expectation that, like, is this something that's on a development pathway? Is this something you're going to release for yeah, the mainstream release, this yeah. year? I, I think it's going to be, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to release it. It's just another way to, to ride waves and enjoy it, but you've got to have your expectations of the, the board would, would need to change. Yeah. And you've got to ride it. It it's, rides differently. Yeah. So... I got that too. Like it was you definitely an expectation change for me when I wrote it. Yeah, and then if you get it, if you get it in the right ways, you're really going to enjoy it. If you're in the wrong waves, then it's it's not going to you know live up to your expectations. Yeah, at all. sure. So sure. 
you you have to you just have to adjust them you know so and that's the thing like with even you know with the the bigger boards and the smaller boards like you got to adjust your expectations of what what you're going to be able to do yeah I think um, I'll go to another, um, and I guess on that note, we, I'm sure the people listening can stay tuned and, and I'm, I'm sure that they're pretty interested to see how these boards work and test them out. Um, I'll go to another question quickly from the, from the audience here, just to lighten things up. There's, there's a question here, um, first of all, from Jabba1982. Um, thanks, Jabba. Uh, they wanted me to ask you what your top 10 surf spots, like where's the, your top 10 favourite spots, but let's maybe go with three because 10 might drag out so what's your top three places that you like to go and surf if you can name them i like um surfing around here on the gold coast the point brace I yeah think that's that's one of them canary islands is another favorite mm. and indonesia anywhere in indonesia anywhere yeah okay interesting interesting um there is a question here from ben peasley asking about give a wave for wave breakdown of your alita body bash big air comp final versus joel taylor on the sunshine coast late 90s now that is probably going to drag out beyond the limits of this podcast but what's he talking about was this a some kind of classic heat that went down in the no, 90s i think yeah it was just uh, i think it was when you know in queensland bodyboarding was you know going through you know there was a lot of participants yeah um Joel was a little bit older than me, maybe two or three years older. Yeah. Um, and he was probably, you know, the guy that he would win every single contest in his division. So yes. he was pretty unbeatable. Yeah. And this event had, I think we had the first prize money, so it was $1,000 for first. Oh, look out. And we were surfing this, you know, great little wedge. So it was really good and it really... I, I didn't meet him until the final, so yeah. um, I, I can't give a wave for wave. No, 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 I don't want it either, but what's yeah. the, But you ended up winning? Uh, yeah, I ended up winning, so... And it was a really, really good event, because, you know, they gave wave money for, for <laughs> once, you know, so... And... That must have been a big result for you at the time. Yeah, though. it was, yeah, like... And I think there were some really other really good riders in there, but the... I imagine Nelson it Ross just, may have been yeah, in it as Nelson, well. And Nelson Ross, Jono. Yeah, Bruce, Jono would have been there, yeah. Um, and a bunch of other really good guys. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't even remember what, no, I'm sure. what, the, what the waves were, but it was really fun conditions and, you know, Joel was probably expected to win. Yeah, I mean, he was winning all the time back then, for sure, for sure. Um, there's other, there's a bunch of other questions. There's a lot of style stuff in here, but I think one of the interesting things um, that I would want to ask about is like, what's the like? <clears throat> you're balancing like a life now. Like oh, everybody, and, and you know, I brought this up with Joe Clark the other day. There's a lot of people always asking like, where are the Aussie riders? Where are the Aussie riders? And like, they're here, but like, what are your plans as a rider and balancing this work life as well like you're found found boards is your company i mean what else are you working on at the moment like what can people expect to learn about mitch rawlins in the coming coming year two years what what can they expect like i just yeah like surfing is yeah like i enjoy it and, Mm. and i'd do it every day if i could but it's the reality is like like with most people they have to now concentrate on you know working and making a 
and you know making a living you know yeah. and, and paying for things you know so yeah I think it's just what was the question it was just about like what 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 do you how do you balance it all like and what are you doing exactly because like you know, you've got found. Yeah. What other projects you're doing? Is there anything interesting outside of the bodybuilding world yeah. that people can expect to learn about? Yeah, I just think that um, you know, with um, with with um, our sport, bodyboarding, you know, like it's reached a a point in time where you know the there isn't anyone making a you know a huge decent living off riding professionally. So mm. all the riders have had to you know, branch out, and most most of these riders are, you know, pretty smart guys as well. Mm. You know, they're pretty, you know, they have they have like abilities in a lot of different areas. You know, they're pretty crafty people. Yeah. So, you know, they've most people have transitioned pretty well into a working life, mm. and I I see that happening more more and more. You know, and that is a good thing as well but it's also it's you know it's it's also hard as well you know because mm. people have aspirations of making a living off just off bodyboarding alone and it, and I just don't see that as a possibility now mm. um, unless you know you really restrict your you, I, I just don't think it's a, a smart move I don't think it's smart to I, I think you need to have some working on the side as well. You know, whether that's just, you know, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is, just making sure that you've got an income coming in from an alternate source is, is yeah. super important. You know, yeah. and just like the, you know, just like these people that are asking these questions, you know, they're working and they're surfing. So we're, we're just similar. There's just, I guess, there's just um, some people are more intense at getting better at surfing, yeah, you know, sure. than others. But they should be. It, it should still be the same focus to, you know, look outside of the sport as well. Mm. I don't Wait, know if that answers. No, nah, it kind of does. But like, and but then on the question of the sport, you know, it's changed fundamentally over your period as a rider like you know you were one of the big guys earning money for yeah. it and it was a profession and that was your thing yeah like have you seen uh, have there been any critical errors of the industry along the way that you think because i mean i think it's no secret that when you launched found it was a it was a bit revolutionary at the time because you were kind of selling online and that really yeah. ruffled some feathers in the industry yeah. um you know what was the how do you What's your take on that journey for you? Like, I mean, is it something that leaves you feeling a bit bitter about some of the responses you had, or do you does it wash uh, over you and you're like, well, you know what, they were wrong anyway, and I just got on with it? Yeah, I still think they're wrong. Like, I still think they're completely wrong. I think, you know, they they don't. It's just a small sport and everyone's out to protect themselves. So, and, yeah. and I think that's one of our biggest downfalls is that we have an, the sport has an ability to self-implode on itself. Yeah. And, and they... Yeah, I just think for the whole time people just have 
you know, they, they just like to take, take, you know, and, and it's, it's, there's just, and, and because the money is tight, you can, you can see how that happens because yeah. there, there isn't a lot going around. So the, you know, that, that brings about that, like, it's, Tightening everything up. You know? yeah. Everyone's just protecting their own interests yeah. al- along the way, as, you know, to the best they can. And that goes from the competitors to the judges to the organisers to the shop owners to yeah. everyone. You know, so yeah. it's it's just one big, you know, industry of being, you know, cautious and you know, protecting your own interests. So mm. it's not a, it's not, it's not the best. You know, that, that's how I, how I feel. You know, but with your development as a brand, like you know, you did you took some some bold steps when you launched Found, and the reaction, as far as I understand the history, was pretty abruptly negative from the yeah, industry. Yeah, super negative. But it was like uh, I don't I didn't think I was doing anything. It was I wasn't doing anything wrong. No. You know, it was it wasn't like it was. Um, and that was that was mostly forced by the fact that I couldn't get supplied by certain people. Yeah. They just said no, flatly said no. So I've left a really, you know, a big contract to start my own business, and then I was left with not even, you know, having the ability to make boards. So I had nothing yeah. at all. You know, people wouldn't supply me because, you know, effectively there's too big manufacturers of bodyboards, you know, two quality ones, you know, so, and I got knocked back by one and luckily one said yes, mm. and I've stayed with them ever since, so, mm. and that, that's, you know, so, you know, so it's, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, and, and, because that happened, you know, my approach to it is is way different to everyone else's now. Because I that 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 the things you know certain people did, you know, forced me to be the way the way I did business. So yeah, and and it's better like you know with the you know so I had I built a, a more direct to customer relationship more so than these other yeah you know shops could ever dream of yeah you know so I it, it's a good. It's a good, good following, and uh, yeah, and I mean, I agree with you. Like, I, like, because I, you know, I was out of the sport when you did all this kind of stuff. When you launched this brand, I just saw it on the internet once when someone threw a threw a fin at your head in a press press oh, conference. Yeah. I think that was like the yeah. opening. That was yeah. the beginning, right? Yeah. And um, who threw the fin? I think it was Chad Jackson. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a good shot. Yeah. You actually look pissed off when it hit you. Yeah. Um, the the model you took was yeah the more direct to consumer route and like I mean and that's sure. not easy it's it's actually, not easy it's, sure it, it's it's like but what are the benefits to the consumer of that the benefits I think that the they're, they're dealing you know they you know and I could do it do it even more and that's my plan is you know being able to interact with the, the customers even more yeah you know so uh, I think that. The benefit is they know where the boards are coming from. I'm pretty transparent with with where my boards are made, how yeah. they're made, what's in them. Yeah. You know the the, the 
pricing, you know, and we're, we're always active, you know, we're not hiding anything. So yeah. it's, I think just that, that's, that's one of the benefits. And there, there can be a lot more as well. Yeah. Do you think other brands are inevitably going to become more online? Like to they already me- are. They, they are, right? They it already, already happened, are. right? They just don't have the success that we've had. Yeah. That's all. Because I, I, they, they, haven't, they haven't had the resistance from certain, you know, other, you know, places. Yeah. So their, their focus is mainly, you know, is mostly having their boards in, you know, shops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of yeah. I I just I just, I, I like the way I do it. Yeah. So and if I can make it better, that's going to be even better as well. You know, better for the customer. Better for you know. Yeah, I just think yeah, most people are, you know, you know, online these days. So it don't, it, it makes sense. Mm. You know so. Cool. Yeah. In closing it out, I mean, um, what, what? I'd like to kind of finish on a really positive note. So, like, I mean, in closing out, like, what, what's your most positive, like, memory of your career? Like, what's the moment in your in your bodyboarding life where you were at the top of your, you know, kind of excitement for it or um, passion for it or anything is there a singular moment where like no, I don't think there's a sing- singular moment like even now like yeah I, I have a lot of fun just repeating certain things over <laughs> and over again that, that's where my enjoyment comes from yeah. it's just yeah repetition is my kind of favourite thing to do yeah, right. you know so that and I like um, making products that people are stoked on that, that I really like presenting those products and projects yeah um, and that's going to get even more because you know I've got to a point now in my business where you know I, my boards are you know at a really high class and whatever I do with them now like they just look amazing and write amazing so yeah. I'm just so confident in doing that now whereas mm. before I, I wasn't as confident so that like that that's catching up to where I feel my writing is and being yeah. able to repeat things over yeah. and over again so that so there's no one although you know when I when you do look back like when I was probably my first year in Hawaii yeah it was my first real big overseas trip yeah there's nothing nothing that has kind of come close to that in terms of yeah just being you know away from home yeah at, you know a young age and doing whatever you wanted to do with no, absolutely no responsibility at all. So, um, I think the biggest responsibility is making sure you don't lose your passport. Yeah, you know, yeah, so you yeah. Get home. You know, that, that's about it. Other than that, like, you just, you can't beat those experiences, especially when, you know, you, you know, you get into, yeah, so when you're young, I think you just got to get, get out there before you have to take on all the real world responsibilities which are very real when they come true <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, that, and, and that, those real world responsibilities they you know that it feels like they're designed to trap you and strangle you <laughs> yeah. and and they don't want you to move around as much yeah, so you've yeah, got to yeah. be able to you know yeah, enjoy it as much as you can while you're in it and you don't know you're in it really yeah you know, so 
so yeah, you definitely have. And most people that we grew up surfing with would have all the same thing, whether it was going to, you know, foster for, you know, the contest they had down there. That mm. was some of the most amazing contests. In yeah, good times. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it was just, it was. Um, and it was good. It was good then that you know the parents were really involved yeah. as well. Most most people so like it, it was like a real family thing as well. Mm. And I think that's what's missing a lot now too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the yeah, it's good. Good fun. <laughs> well, I think yeah. that's a good way to finish on it. I mean, it's to to highlight those. You know, they put the repetition being a positive element kind of weird but yeah whatever whatever floats your boat but I mean I, I understand that I understand that about you uh, and I understand the Hawaii thing as well and also yeah it's interesting to bring up the point about the parents because yeah that is definitely something that's um we forget that that is one of the good things about the sport is that it is a community and and uh and that parents used to really yeah your parents slogged it out mine did too you know yeah. helping do things and that's no, really good good event uh, a good thing to get into so um yeah, look, thanks for taking the time to sit and talk. We got it done. Done. And now I've got to get to the train station and get on a bloody plane. So thank you, Mitch Rawlins. Thank and, you. And um, I reckon there's more to talk about, so we'll get another podcast in later on. Sounds good. All right. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Le Boogie podcast right there with the man, Mitch Rawlins. Huge shout out to Mitch for taking the time to sit down for that chat. Uh, I was super interesting to get his take on so many different aspects of the sport and his career. Um, don't forget, there's that special deal with the Laboogie code on the Foundboards website. So if you want to go and purchase one of his boards for pre-order right now, you will use that code and and be entitled to a um a session with him himself so look at it as like a, a as a coaching session with the one of the greatest of all time um pretty good deal okay that's all for now and uh really appreciate you all tuning in listening and sending in questions for the riders uh they love it they love to hear from you and uh stay tuned for so much more thank you Okay, let's go.